This is the round 22 edition of Crunch Time. The Pies over the Cats by eight points last night. A big week of news for Repco authorised service for expert car service you can rely on. Book online at repcoservice.com. Jared Waitley, Sam Edmund, Luke Hodge and David King with you. Should we do the setup for Carlton and Melbourne fans who are heading to the MCG tonight? The best oh. of intentions to put the Matildas on the big screen. But anyone who knows anything about FIFA knows that this is not quite as straightforward did as you, best intentions. Did you start this, Jerry? Yeah, but then and we did oh, put the rider in got a lot to that at for. the end, FIFA's live sites are not as straight up and down as flicking the telly on. All right. FIFA in the AFL, Jared, Kingy, Hodgie, the most unlikely arranged marriage you're ever likely to see. <laughs> so or cut to the chase here. The AFL have surprised many with their willingness just to do this. I mean it is a begrudging willingness as well. There's no way they would want this played. But there's a real element of not wanting to shoot Bambi to be honest and fair enough. It, it is the right thing to do. But behind the scenes in the last couple of days the negotiations have been frustrating, bitter and they certainly got ugly. And the landing spot is this. So the Matildas France World Cup quarterfinal will be shown on the MCG big screen from its kickoff until Carlton and Melbourne run out onto the MCG somewhere between 7.07pm and 7.10pm tonight. If the game, the soccer game, finishes in regulation time, this is no problem. If it goes to extra time and then penalties, it will be a big problem. It will then be shown on the 300-odd TVs around the stadium, in the function rooms, in the bars, etc., until it's done. Now, FIFA sent the AFL contracts on this that just simply weren't feasible. That FIFA wanted the game showed in full, and even 10 minutes post-match as well. The AFL weren't willing to bend on that after already pushing the Carlton-Melbourne back, uh, game back to 7.30. So FIFA then said, OK, well, if you're turning it off the big screen, then you're turning it off everything. And that's when the MCC came in, the Melbourne Cricket Club, and they said, you've got no legal right to do that. Optus control the feed to the big screen, but Channel 7 control the feed to all the other TVs in the stadium. So the Melbourne Cricket Club essentially said, well, if you're in your living room, we can put Channel 7 on. And this is our living room, so we're showing it, and you can't stop us. So there's all sorts of commercial partner issues as well. Telstra sponsored the AFL, and as I said, Optus control the feed to the MCG big screen for the World Cup, so that's been a hurdle. Toyota sponsor the footy, Hyundai sponsor the World Cup. So all all the ribbon boards, as they're called, all the LEDs around the MCG will actually be turned off while the World Cup is on. It's going to appear a bit lifeless in there. So the AFL and Kylie Rogers, the league's executive general manager of commercial, they came into this quite late, Jared. I'm told not properly into it until as late as Friday morning. It was Carlton that had been the ones behind the scenes. And I think in an ideal world, the league would have been privy to it earlier because it's been a fair old mess. But under this jurisdiction, as yeah. the home team, they so control the screen. really weird. It was when we rang the MCC after Anthony from Richmond put it on the radar, they said, well, Carlton's actually in control of all of that. Well, they sort of and went offline for a while with their own stuff, and then the AFL had to sort of pull a bit back from there, give a bit back from here. In the end, it's been an absolute saga to get here, and I just hope it's decided, obviously, in regulation. The Matildas win. We all live happily ever after. What sort of scene will we get, though, if it is nil-nil, 1-1, scores a level, whatever, it goes to extra time. Melbourne and Carlton are in full flow. Do people just can't stop watching? They leave their seat and go up and watch it in the small tellies. Do we have a, a roar at a random stage of the third quarter <laughs> when Sam Kerr scores the win? I mean, what are we going to get here? It's odd because it's not a night for neutrals. Those who are going are either Carlton or Melbourne supporters. 
and presumably they want to watch their teams play. Anyway, for, uh, we did make the reference. For a more in a more simple time, they could just flick the opening ceremony of the Olympics on the big screen at the at the MCG, and it wasn't a big deal. America's Cup, it, I think, might have been on yeah, historically. It's not as simple a no. world we live in no. anymore. And there are life sites all around the country. Of course, we're just talking yeah. about the MCG and the the complexities that sit within you know a rival code going head to head with it, and the AFL sort of uh, want to do the right thing, but really not wanting to at the same time. It's a huge shift. From the, the, the Men's World Cup. Remember we released the fixture yep. the day before to distract the attention to try and gather some yeah. some AFL news ahead of the, 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 the Men's World Cup. Yep, that's yeah. true. We're just Massive. in the grip of this is just sort of a, a cultural and national moment. But a whole, now. yeah, a home World Cup. to do with yep. cross-code rivalries. This is, this is just something else that so rarely comes along. Well, let's just hope one of the teams is getting smashed halfway through the second. And you, can... you couldn't have the World Cup being played on the big screen. I, I would contend, even without sound, while Carlton and Melbourne are playing, it would just be ridiculous, wouldn't it? Yeah, but I was thinking sort of screen in screen, so you could oh, have the, the old main, split screen. Yeah, yeah, and just just have in the corner. Just you have to squint really hard to see if <laughs> is that Mary Fell or is this a, who's that? <laughs> one at each end. Yeah. Anyway, it could be one of those really peculiar oh, and could be memorable nights. It could be a night to be at the MCG yeah. for for very unique reasons. Absolutely. Yeah. So I hope it goes well. Anyway, I hope it all gets tidy up in 90 minutes. Uh, the Aussies advance to the semis. And as I say, we all live happily Wouldn't ever after. get the job done, Jared? Uh, well, they are underdogs. I'm mm. just in the mood. Just go with it. Just go, don't even ask the question of should we win? Should we be winning? No, just, let's just go with it and, and hope that there's a get force and a momentum. So you don't, you don't want to talk yeah. about the public holiday? <laughs> no, that, that has been an outrage. Well, they're not too happy with that. <laughs> uh, righto, so that's the setup for tonight. We're going to talk a lot about that Melbourne-Carlton game um, before crunch time is done as well because it's such a pivotal night in the shape of the season, I think. So um, the retirements that we... This is one of the great group of retirees that's starting to build before us. So the four from this week, and it starts today with Ben Cunnington, Bowing out for North Melbourne, Luke Shuey, Isaac Smith, and then Trent Cochin. So maybe, Kingy, you, you, you give us the pen pick of Cunnington, what he's meant to North Melbourne through this generation as he takes his final bow today. Yeah, he's, he's, he's been exactly what the North Melbourne Football Club is. No, no fuss, just, just go, just give us your best. Country football to play an AFL footy. Not here to do any media, just here to play footy. Just here for me mates on a, on a Saturday. Not overly interested in pre-season. <laughs> probably never, probably never going to be sharpest day one, um, and and it'll be a challenge to actually get through that phase of the year, but it'll give you everything game day, and just wants to play, just wants to compete, and he, he's much loved, and I think he's been overlooked by all Australian selectors chronically for years when he was in his his sweet patch, um, but but he's he's been one guy that's separated games. In short bursts, in quarters, you know, just dominating clearance, being that big body, and yeah, you know, I think we've got a lot to thank Ben for. Just that since since the the, the the cancer battle, he just hasn't been the same physical specimen. Um, but he took us on that journey as well. So there's been emotional hooks with this guy, and 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 the the club just love him. He'll he'll go back to the farm. I don't think we'll ever see him again. I don't think we'll see him at the footy. He'll never hear from him, but. He's just one of the great teammates and one of the great clubmen. Hodgie, Isaac Smith, a contemporary of yours. Yes, I was, I was shocked. I, um, I looked at those skinny little legs and the way he's been covering the ground and thought they could go for another two years, three years. And I, I saw him last night and gave him a big hug and said, what are you doing? 
And uh, and I thought Scotty couldn't convince you to, to stay around. I think Geelong were pretty keen for him. But um, he, he said something that I think we all, all know, that if your mind is telling you that some parts of your game are dropping away, that you don't want to fall off the cliff totally. And I, I couldn't argue. Um, I, you're all sitting there going, you want to finish with a little bit in the tank so you're not embarrassing yourself. And, and that's that's his mindset. He felt there's a few things in his game that aren't quite where he wants them to be. And, and to go and commit to a, a football club, and that's the kind of person he is. He doesn't want to commit to a football club if he doesn't have the, the whole passion or he doesn't think he can play to a certain standard and, and keeping another guy out of out of a spot who, who could be developing. So... Um, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of the guys that were really shocked that Isaac uh, didn't want to, or didn't feel he could go on. But um, look, what what he's done over his 13 years, uh, he was amazing at Hawthorne, where he came in. The, the selfless stuff he did to to make sure all the, all the other guys in the middle who couldn't run, um, he covered for us. And I'll put my hand up there. <laughs> but uh, and then the joy to see him go down to Geelong, and everyone was sort of saying, "How can you go down there?" But the lifestyle. He's he's a country boy at heart. Um, Heading down there with with Candice, he, he said he, he was that thankful he had the opportunity to go to Geelong, and I think he, he wouldn't be able to coach on a play under another coach. I think how how relaxed Scotty is and and what the trust that he gives to the players down there. Isaac absolutely loved his last two years down in Geelong. So, what made him special as a teammate? Uh, do you know how when when you go through ups and downs in football clubs and and. We, we had some success at Hawthorne, but it's not all always how it looks. There's always a lot of stress. And when your expectations is you've got to win and you lose some games, uh, it's a, it is a roller coaster. He's always been that person who'll come in with a smile. Nothing's always as serious. He, he's a really good balancer for when you look around a football club and he's he was living his dream. And, and that's where he, he made a lot of the other blokes who sometimes you get stressed in, in what, what happens in a football club. He just made it relax. He, he made the, the football club a, a better a better place. And then on the football field, um, very similar. When you're stressed and things aren't going your way, you turn around. It goes back to the, it wasn't a great result for us, but good for Geelong when he had that shot after the siren in, in the final in 2016. You look at his face and he's smiling and winking at people. That, that's how he was. It, was. it was such a pressure kick. But to him, it's, it's a game of football that he absolutely loves. Um, and he, he was on the MCG in front of 90,000 people um, with the potential to, to win a game. So I think that's, that's what he brings, just the, the love and passion for football, uh, and he brings it out in you. Loved his honesty. How about round 16 SCG? They're on the way there in the team bus, and he looks into the pub, Jared, and says, you know what, that actually looks all right. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you know probably the motivation is just waning a tad. <laughs> As I said, he's, he's a country boy. I'm pretty sure he'll, uh, he'll find himself in a couple of pubs down in Geelong in the off-season. Uh, Trent Cochin. So his career runs in parallel with yours to a great degree, Hodgie, and you've got those similarities of premiership captaincy and the like. Is uh, so he he is a true modern day great of Richmond. Yeah, I think the big thing with Koch is his career was sort of in halves of of where. First of all, in the first part of his career, it was him being the best player he could possibly be. Um, he won a Brown on that time. He won all Australians. He won BNFs. He was as good a ball getter as you could you could want. And as a captain, he was the ultimate professional. He um, he become a captain really early, um, which I think it shows that the prof- professionalism you need as a young kid to to be a captain at such a young age, and he led really well. the The second part of his career, he became a better captain than player, and that's what resulted in in premierships for the Richmond Football Club. There, 
when he was younger, there was a 50-50 ball. He would run to try and receive a handball. As he got older, he let Dusty do that. He let the other blokes, he, he let the younger guys do that, where he would run to be a defensive person in case that 50-50 ball was lost. And that turned the mindset of everyone else around him to realise that if the skipper's go into the defence to let someone else get a kick, then I've got to do it when it's my turn. And then you look at what Jack um, went through as well. Jack changed his game. So it all started from Koch and, and his mindset to, um, to to change his game. And that's why he sits back as a three-time premiership player. I'm not sure we, we've had uh, a player change the way Trent has to become this leader for, for quite some time. I, I think there's parallels with with Nathan Buckley and Trent Cotchen. They were perfectionists from when they arrived. They wanted to be the best they could be and they would do everything thinking that would help the team win, which is which. there's a lot of merit in that. But as soon as they went outside themselves and become better teammates or better leaders uh, and then, you know, both on and off field, I think more off field for Trent to buy into the group, to not be, you know, absolute preparation, to allow himself to have a couple of drinks with the boys rather than be be diligent to every, you know, dotting every I and crossing every T, that things shifted and the rewards started to flow from a team sense. And then it just got rolling. And I'll, I'll never forget that image of, of when he kicked the goal in the grand final and he ran and jumped in the air and Damien Harwick saying that's the, that is the moment that he's most proud of through the whole course of his journey at Richmond that image of Trent, who'd been through so much, he'd been on the same path as Damien Harwick. The feedback was intense for both of them to lose their job or lose the captaincy or whatever, and we're all part of that. Um, that that moment is iconic for, for for Damien and for Richmond, and we just say, well done, Brownlow medalist. I mean, there's not much more you can do than what Trent's done in the game. Luke Shuey. So surprisingly, there was the option to go on next year. He was hoping that there wasn't going to be, so he had to call his own time. A Norm Smith medalist, one of the great grand finals, 2018, and he's got a winner at after the siren at the end of extra time in a final, which is going to be unique for for a while, I think. Yeah, I I don't know where he sits at West Coast in terms of their their status, and they got some they got some top liners in there. Their Hall of Fame Hodgie, he's, he'd be right up there. That 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 perform on the biggest day to play like that with the margin the way it was. Um, I, I, it's clearly the best rated game we've ever seen in a grand final. It was, I think it was mid-30s. It was like a 35-rated game. So an All-Australian level game, All-Australian level season is about 15-16. He's gone at 35 for one given game, the biggest game of the year. Just, just huge, Hodgie. Yeah, it is. And I, uh, I spoke to you this week, Jared, about the, the, the sad time at this time of year is when blokes retire and you don't remember them for the players that they were, and, and Shuey falls straight in that, into that category. The fact that he played 30 games the last three years, I think a lot of the people remember, that they, don't, they don't remember that, those games. And the, the, the composure to kick the goal over at Port Adelaide in a final, as you said, Jared, after a, an overtime, um, he, he, he was just one of those blokes who was left foot, right foot. Um, and the fact that the West Coast wanted him to play on for for another year shows the importance that he has in and around that football club. But I think he's a little bit like Isaac, the fact that he he doesn't feel that he could go on and and apart from the, his body's let him down, uh, he he didn't think he could put himself through 
uh, another pre-season and, and get the best out of himself. So it's, um, yeah, th- I, I don't like this time of year because there's so many good players that uh, that you're going to say goodbye to and, and you don't really get to say goodbye to Shuey because of, of his body. Now, now people t- tell me the draft, you know, you, you get the same sort of players around the same sort of areas. So Melbourne fans, we've got a great mate of ours that we lost recently, always talks about the 2008 draft. Melbourne took with pick one Jack Watts, pick two was Nick Natanui. The next set of picks, Melbourne took Sam Blees. The next pick, West Coast took Luke Shuey. So those two players mm. just shaping a, a generational uh, opportunity to, to win premierships. It's, a, it's an amazing thing. If we're reading between the lines, does it feel like Nat Nui is going to yeah. retire? So bad things come in threes, you would say, if you're a West Coast fan and a nostalgic one. So obviously Shannon Hearn retires before Shuey. So it's Bunga, Boots, and now is it going to be Nick Nat? And I think we could be you know, reaching the wrong conclusion, but just listening um, to Trevor Nisbet over on SCNWA during the week, he probably hinted at retirement, but we'll see. Obviously that Achilles injury is a long, long way back from that for, for Nick Nat Nui, which would be a great shame to, for him to go. But... Uh, it would appear to be trending that way, but of course we'll we'll hear if we're here in the next few weeks, Jared. And what do you think's happening with Rory Sloan? <sighs> Another one where we had Adam Kelly, they had a football on uh, during the week on SEM Breakfast, and I think if you were listening to that, you'd probably say it's less likely than likely. He clearly wants to play on. He's made no um, made no bones about it. Uh, Rory Sloan made no secret of his desire to play on. Is the contract there though? So that that would be the question I'd be asking now. Do they? With where they're at, want him to go on? Is there a place for him to go on? If they decide there is, then he does, clearly. And if they don't, then it's going to be a, a, a thanks and, and farewell. Take him into the kangaroos in a heartbeat, mm. Rory Sloan. Sometimes you just need those old leaders to show the way. I, I like what Grant Birchall did up north, Hodgie. It's not, you're not there to win games. You're there to, to educate even yourself. Like, to... to, to, to I don't know, just for a 12- to 18-month period to then transition into coaching... So Hodgie's not hearing us okay. at the moment. Um, so yeah, we'll have a look I, I think the Gold Coast could look at someone like that. Just an older yeah. player to, to... If he was willing to... If he was, to, yeah. Look, he loves footy. Yeah. I, I think he'd go anywhere. Mm. Uh, and and maybe, he, maybe he wants to just drift into coaching in, the, in, the, in South Australia. I'm not sure. There are probably opportunities there. Mm. But um, you could certainly satisfy him at a club that just needs to learn. He needs another development type coach. He's he's been to the to the top of the top of the tree in an AFL sense, and his preparation is first class. Mm. All right, so that that class of retiree that includes Lance Franklin is starting to build almost by the day at the moment. Um, just the length and the toll and the configuration of the season, Kingy, as it's playing out before us. So there are teams who are stumbling to the line at the moment on the physical side of things. We, we just had a private conversation during the week. So we had four compromised weeks with buys this mm. year. Would they, in fact, be better spent round eight, round nine, round 16, round 17? If we're going to have four rounds, actually make give the teams the two buys that the players actually initially asked for. They were given one in the middle and one before the finals. The one before the finals has enhanced that first week of the finals. I now accept that but it doesn't help the teams in the duration. And now that they're being asked to play 23, yeah, are we, is, it, is it time for a serious conversation to help with the physical toll so that we're not getting the breakdown at the time where you need teams to be sort of roaring home? Because it gets awkward now, doesn't it? If you want to rest at Pendlebury then yeah. you finish top and you win first week, there's a lot of weeks off mm. in a short space of time. And you and I were talking, I think the buy would be better served at round eight. 
and you could split it. You know, five games one week, four weeks and four games the next. So around eight and nine, you've got you've got less matches. And then you've got the 15 weeks after that, the 16 weeks. Now, if you choose not to rest your players, that's fine. You could have a hard and fast buy, again, a second buy. But I think you give clubs a clear runway from there to say you, you manage your own players. That's part of the art of uh, full club winning winning the premiership. So maybe you're more likely to give a staggered approach. You might have three players rest at round 12 and three at round 13 and three at round 15 and not have to worry about having three weeks off in a six-week space. Because now it's just too late, you, you, you know. Unless you've got an issue, most players are just playing. Like Craig McRae is on record saying, "I don't want to manage players. I don't want to rest players." And, when, and you look at Melbourne; they're, they're trying to bank minutes in the, the last quarter all the time now. We saw their top four stars last week played mm. played fifty uh, percent of the last quarter, so they're managing in game. So I'm with you. I, I think the buyers should be pulled forward. And just give us a larger block of football in the back half of the season. Could you come at it another way, dare I ask? But in fact, Patrick Dangerfield might have mentioned this with you during the week, Jared. You wouldn't go to 16-minute COVID quarters, but could you just scale it back a couple of minutes a quarter? Yeah. So I Could think, you come to 18? I think you get too much blowback on that. So I was just thinking through, what's the solution for the next few years when we're going to have 23 games and 24 rounds before mm. we get to Tassie? And that doesn't cause rancour. So we already have four rounds that are being nobbled. Yep. So just use them better. Mm. Two, two at the front end, two at the, at the one third, and then at the two thirds of the way through the season. So these are all being thrashed out at the moment, obviously, with the CBA right at its pointy end. And Thursday night football, we're going to see more of that. That's going to complicate things further as well. Gather round, we're locked in for another three years. So these are all things at the moment that the, the PA and the AFL are wrestling with. Hodgie's back with us. Do you, do you have any? Do you have, is your antenna up for the length of the season for the player toll right now? Um, no, I, I'm a big one for seeing the stamina of players, and I know people. It's a long season. I find that it shows professionalism. It shows resilience. It shows blokes who can push through pain barriers to to get the the most out of them late in seasons and I know that we fell short in a couple of years because we mentally weren't ready for it we gave up too easy and I understand coaches saying players are fatiguing that's it's not an easy game AFL is not an easy game and and I can understand where where people are saying that but I, I like the the length of the season I, I like it longer because you see the guys that that have put the work in over the pre-season you can see the guys that have had pre-season after pre-season that it gets to late in the season and they're still running on top of the ground they're still looking fit because of the way they've looked after themselves the work that they put in through the through the hard months of, of summer when everyone else some blokes are taking it easy the blokes who have done all the hard work are the ones who are normally playing the best football later in the year and, and that's why I, I when you hear people say oh, i want a shorter season i'm I'm a, I prefer to keep it the way the way it is and, and just see the blokes that are willing to push through that pain barrier. Yeah, so I don't think we, we've got a longer season. I think you can maintain the longer season. You can just build in mm. the, the welfare breaks along the way, I think. But that's, anyway. We've mentioned this before, but do you think we'd ever put a cap on the amount of games individual players can play? No, I don't. Yeah. Because it sort of runs counter. It runs counter to everything we believe mm. in the sport and what Hodgie's just articulated You probably... You, we hate the idea you can go to an NBA game and the stars aren't playing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think so. What what's the simplest solution that offers no ructions or rancor? And I actually think that I think that's it. Is two buys within the home and away, just to give you the chance at the in the final twenty third 
game that you're playing to still be somewhere near the optimum. So, so two buys in season, and you, I know you would say do away with the pre-finals. No, no, I, that's fine. The so pre-finals buy is fine. Is that for the finals teams yep, to be a third it, buy? It has been shown to enhance what happens in the first week of the finals. So I've dropped my opposition. Oh, yeah. there. I didn't yep. know that. I'm a bit it's slow only because on we outtake. already have four compromised rounds. I just don't think we need them four together. We just go a two year and two there. Mm. So it's it, not actually it changing anything in the fixture. It's just a better allocation of those. It, it has shifted, the, it changed the finals dramatically, the pre-finals by. Yeah, it has. Dramatically. For the better? I don't know for the better. I think that in, in what Hodgie was just saying, then if you've worked hard to finish mm. top four, then I think all the favours should go to you. But I think Port Adelaide will benefit. Port Adelaide, they may or may not, they look sore. They look tired to me. I think they'll benefit as much as anyone in the pre-finals by, and they've probably earned the right too. I think Colin would if, if you look at from here too. If you look at the pre-finals by, I'm not a fan of it. Just the fact that if you go through, you finish on top of the ladder, you win the first game, you play one game in 28 days going into a prelim final. And that's just not the correct build-up. The prelim final is almost the hardest game of the year. And... Yeah, your build-up to that is one game in 28 days. I'm not a fan of it. I prefer to push the pre-finals by to post-prelim before the grand final. So if there is a concussion, that all team, all players get a rest. And if there's a concussion, that bloke's not going to miss because of it. I think these are conversations that are worth having with those who are making the decisions. If Josh Marnie's planning to go to the AFL, do you think he would have looked at last night and gone, oh, that'd be my portfolio? So do just... I really want that portfolio? <laughs> <laughs> Welfare check, Josh Marnie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're interested in him, Jared, in a few potential roles, not just that one. But he's left without a job to go to, so it's not yet his if he wants it. He just he was open. He needs a reinvigoration, a change. Been bat- battering away there for a Would while. Would he now. do the Dennis Denudo role? Do you think, Jared? <laughs> I'd be interested to say, nah, that that's out of bounds. We're, we're, we all saw it. Mm. It was out of bounds. <laughs> the news of the week for Repco Authorised Service, Penrite Oil, and your local Repco Authorised Service. Uh, we'll delve into Melbourne and Carlton in particular. Such a source of fascination tonight at the MCG. Coming up next on Crunch Time.